So when you have a low temperature, a lot of the bitter, larger chemical compounds are not soluble in water at low, lower temperature, so they're not coming out. Very often, they're the one responsible for the bitter kind of like stringent taste that we taste in coffee. So what we are tasting in cold brew is probably the lack of bitter acids, as they call it, and then give you that little bit better, smoother taste. This is the Visible Voices podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Risa Lewis. Before we get started, here's a word from the creators of the Voices Unheard podcast. Hello, listeners. This is Dr. Pringle Miller, and I'm joined by Dr. Melissa Blaker. Voices Unheard podcast recently launched, and we are very excited. Three episodes are now available for you to download on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. When you go there, be sure to hit subscribe. Voices Unheard is a podcast production of Physician Just Equity. Hi, listeners. Thanks so much for joining, and I'm really excited to bring you today's topic, coffee. I love coffee. Okay, my subject matter expert is Dr. Nini Rao. She's an associate professor of chemistry and the director of the undergraduate chemistry and biochemistry program at Thomas Jefferson University College of Life Sciences. She came across my radar when I read a Food and Wine magazine article where they quoted her and her work on cold brew coffee. In her lab and with her students, Nini studies cold brew and hot brew coffee, the temperature of the water you should use, grind of the bean, and roast of the bean, all with an eye towards health and other extractive effects. I just made that word up, extractive. My guest conversationalist is a serious coffee hobbyist. Dr. Mark Shapiro, you may know, is the creator, producer, and host of Explore the Space podcast. He focuses in his conversation on bringing those who provide healthcare and those who seek healthcare closer together. So as a little bit of background, Nini shared that in the morning, she likes to drink coffee that's a pour over. Mark likes to work on his skills with the AeroPress. And me, I like to pull shots of espresso and make believe that I'm a barista. So a little background regarding Risa and coffee. Growing up, I wasn't allowed to drink it. I was told that it would stunt my growth. Now at the tall height of five foot two inches, we can just say that there really wasn't any science to that. Nonetheless, I sidestepped the rules by definitely eating coffee ice cream, selecting coffee-flavored hard candies, and drinking coffee milk. Now, if you attended Rhode Island Public Schools, you will know that when you bought milk, you had the option of milk, chocolate milk, or coffee milk. I don't think there was anything natural or anything coffee really in there. However, it definitely tasted good. And with that, let's get to the episode. Now, Nini, get us started. Cold brew versus hot brew. So um, we are, we were looking at how, at the time, the cold brew coffee it was it's becoming very popular. You go to any coffee shop, they have all these extravagant setups about, they call it cold brew coffee. And uh, I looked into a little bit more about cold brew coffee. It just turns out that for cold brew coffee, you are brewing coffee at room temperature or lower. So you use cold water, you let the grinds um, seep for a long period of time, very often overnight, 24 hours. Some people do 48 hours. And, and then you enjoy the ex, uh, extract, filter it, and then the, the extract is uh, what we call cold brew coffee. Very often needs to be diluted with water. So that's, we, um, and then we stumbled on this topic because I always like to think I could make it myself. I could do it in my kitchen and do it myself. And uh, it turns out, it didn't turn out cor uh, uh, correctly. It was too strong, too, not much of a flavor. 
and I was wondering if I did something wrong. So I looked into the um, the brewing methods a little bit more, and I convinced my colleague to join me to do some chemical analysis on cold brew coffee. It turns out there was nothing to compare to, and that's how we started. And that's how we uh, we started looking into the extraction mechanism, as well as the kinetics, like how long does it take for um, for the coffee to be extracted? And then we looked at two specific compounds, chlorogenic acid, which is the antioxidant, and the caffeine, which everybody who drink coffee says, okay, what is the caffeine content, right? So, um, so as we were um, studying this, we realized that this is, there's, it's a great opportunity for us to fill in some uh, void in the coffee research. Most of European um, coffee maker um, brewers, as well as the South American coffee um, connoisseurs, they prize themselves uh, drinking hot brew coffee, espresso, filtered um, mocha, and cold brew seems to be very popular in North America. And we wanted, to, and then people started talking about, oh, it has like low acidity, it has um, smooth flavor and like a, and texture. And we just wanted to give some metrics to the audience, to the consumer um, about what they can, um, like exactly what these words mean. And we were able to, that, that started the whole thing. And the first one we looked at was, um, the kinetics of extraction, how long does it take for the chemicals to come out of the, 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 the grind? And it turns out the way we're doing it, seven hours is more than enough. And, and then the other one we were trying to decipher was, uh, was is there a difference between roast and versus um, in, in cold brew coffee? And the first one we thought there was something, but it turns out it was a little bit more inconclusive. Our latest study actually um, deciphered that aspect of um, cold brew coffee a little bit better. We actually roasted our own coffee. We bought a roaster, we started doing like, we made sure that we had the same source of beans and then we roasted it to different three different temperature to see some of the characteristics change. And then we found interesting stuff. So. Yeah. So I want to go into some of the specifics of the science, and I think our audience is probably um, a health-minded audience. Mark, um, if you had to pick a light roast versus dark roast, which one would you go with? Light. Always light. Yeah. And cold brew versus hot brew. So I've done my own cold brew a couple of times, a couple of different ways. The flavor is fine. The flavor profiles are fine. I feel like the flavor profiles I get when I do uh, a lighter roast. And when I, when I say light roast, I'm talking about specifically just after what's known as first crack in the home roasting process. So when the silver skin blows off, the temperature's at about 400 degrees for the bean. Um, second crack for me is a, is a no-fly zone. That's what is known in the commercial marketplace as dark roasted coffee. But that's when you've taken all of the fun, interesting, heterogeneous properties of the bean away and just turned it into a homogeneous dark roasted taste that we're all pretty used to and that is readily available. So you can take different beans, put them all together, roast them to that degree, and they're all going to taste the same. Uh, but if you're doing a single origin to go that far, you're kind of obliterating all of the good stuff. When you do a cold, when I do a cold brew, I, I find that I can't get the flavors that I seek to really be emphasized and to do cold brew properly. For me, it uses a lot of beans. Um, I don't feel like I get enough bang for my buck with it. Um, I have, unfortunately, the couple times I've done it as well, I feel like I've kind of over extracted it and it, it gets that little bit of a little bit of a bitter taste that definitely washes out the stuff that I want. I, I'm, I'm, I'm comfortable getting, you know, with my roaster, I'm pretty tuned. 
I can identify first crack. The gap is there. I stop it. I cool it. I let it sit. I grind it. I drink it. And I, I am, I'm in heaven daily. So I'm perfectly content there. Mark, are you at all like me? When the medical literature puts out articles on coffee, you look at the results. Oh my gosh. Yes. I'm more productive. Oh my gosh. Less depression, less prevalence of dementia. Do you, do you care at all about the medical or it's all about pure taste? I, I don't, it's not that I don't care about it. I do. I feel like a lot of those things are released in a manner where they land on me as just being clickbait. Um, I don't feel like we have something to say that absolute yes, absolute no, all things in moderation. I don't drink extraordinary amounts of coffee. Um, I enjoy one cup in the morning. I might have a second cup in the afternoon. I enjoy sort of what's available if I'm at work and I don't overthink it. I, I, I enjoy it and I, and I don't need a lot of it. Um, so I don't really perseverate too much on what one or more studies show. They are always on the top of a, of a crawler, whatever feed you're on, New York Times, Twitter. It's always there. It always just feels kind of clickbait to me. All things in moderation. Enjoy what you like and go forward. Yeah. Nini, what, what are the facts regarding the health effects of coffee? Um, well, I, there, there, there are a lot of, one of the things that the most, um, common ones that we know is that caffeine actually is, um, a stimulant and it is one of the like legal stimulants that you can use, like accessible over the counter. And then it has a U shape, right? So you were talking about, um, the, the benefits, you know, increases as you uh, consume moderate amount, as you drink more and more, and then it becomes actually not beneficial to you anymore. And this same thing with acidity in coffee. In the beginning, the, the, the nice flavor, the small acids, like the citric acids and whatnot, gives you a nice flavor in your mouth and you enjoy it. And then if you drink too much, it may upset your stomach because the, the, the large amount of acid that, you're, that you are drinking. So these are some of the, the, the ones that I've seen over and over again in literature saying like the, the, the acidity as well as the, um, the stimulant effect of coffee. It's the most prevalent in um, coffee drinkers. It's like most important to a lot of coffee drinkers. You mentioned in one of your posts, or perhaps it was one of the podcast discussions I listened to, that um, the science is still not robust on pH and stomach and people uh, that have um, gastritis, gastric reflux, reflux, and the acidity of coffee. What, what do we know about this? So um, if you depend on how coffee is prepared, you will end up with a different acidity in coffee. Um, origin of coffee will also impact the acidity uh, of, of coffee slightly, but there is um, a variations of, of acid that, that can be extracted. Roast is a huge factor in terms of what kind of, uh, what kind of uh, coffee you produce in terms of acidity. Um, our last study, we did um, a bean, single origin bean from Colombia, and we roasted at three different degrees. Uh, one is right before, right about the first crust. One is a little bit more than, um, like between the first and the second. Mark, I know you're, you're, you're talking, you, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And the third one, we roasted beyond the second crack to the point where the beans eject automatically before it turns into carbon. Because we wanted to show the, the, the spread, right? And you can definitely see the acidity change. And the more, um, believe it or not, the lower acidity ones actually are the ones that are dark roast because you actually roast all the chemicals out of it, right? And then the higher acidity ones are the ones that's medium and that's the one that most people enjoy. And, uh, and also um, we found that 
cold brew definitely has a lower acidity than hot brew. Again, the extraction is when you when you uh, extract anything with high energy fluids like uh, boiling water. We also did it with as an extreme. We use boiling water, which you never do when brewing coffee, and uh, and then you actually get a lot of acids out of the the bean, good or bad. And then you you do have that metallic taste, and then the acid, uh, the strong acid taste when you are extracting um, coffee using boiling water. So so you do see the acid change from one to another. We're getting a little bit better understanding in terms of how pH and acids are um, changing in different brewing methods. Uh, so in terms of acid reflux versus drinking coffee, um, still they're they're not. There's no definitive correlation yet. I have not seen a paper saying like there is a correlation. You should, everybody tells you to drink in moderation, but there is no definitive evidence saying um, drinking less coffee or drinking more coffee will either um, negatively or positively impact your um, the, af- the, the, the effect of acid reflux. Mm-hmm. I do know that when I drink cold brew, it tastes smooth to me. It's easier to drink. It doesn't burn my stomach as much. Am I drinking and sensing the fact that the the pH is higher, meaning it's less acidic, or is that not the right correlation? Um, uh, there is some to that, and then we also think that the because it's um, extracted at lower temperature, some of the a lot of the compounds are sensitive to uh, temperature when it comes to extraction. So we call it solubility. So when you have a low temperature, a lot of the bitter, larger chemical compounds are not soluble in water at low, lower temperature, so they're not coming out. Very often, they're the one responsible for the bitter kind of like stringent taste that we taste in coffee. So what we are tasting in cold brew is probably the lack of bitter acids, as they call it, and then they give you that little bit better, smoother taste. I, as much as I drink, uh, like I study cold brew, I don't drink cold brew coffee, I drink hot brew coffee. <laughs> Yeah. Nini, I want to ask a little bit about grind of the bean because that's also been part of your research. Tell us about how that affects antioxidants, extraction, taste. It's mostly um, about extraction process. The larger the particle, right? There there are a few things going on. And um, so I'm going to start about size. The larger the particle, um, the easier it is for the chemical to leach out when you let it soak for a long period of time. So basically extraction is nothing but to take the chemicals from the grinds and put it in water and we drink the solution that is um, infused with chemicals. So um, if you have a larger particle size, very often you will have less extraction in the same amount of time because it's going to take, take a while for some larger molecules to migrate through. This is what we're seeing in terms of caffeine. Caffeine is a fairly large molecule and if you have a larger grind size, and uh, you, it will take a little while for the caffeine to reach equilibrium, as we call it, like saturation point, so forth. Um, and then, so if you have a finer grind, so the, the, the powders in the bottom, like when you, you drink coffee, and uh, you, these, um, these powder will continue to extract if they're left in the, in the solution. So this is why I don't drink uh, coffee who's set for a long time, because you see the muck, you know, in the bottom, and that's and that makes the coffee bitter because it's over it's over extracted. 
because you let it sit for a long time and then all this good or bad they are all the stuff are coming out and then it's not it's not great tasting so so that's number one number two roast has something to do with as, as well as you continue to roast the beans you are cooking the beans by cooking the beans you are changing the cellular structure of the beans become make it more brittle so Darker roasts tend to be easier broken into smaller parts. As a result, you get more fine and a little bit that bitter kind of like, as Mark said, e taste, <laughs> right? Um, so, so you you um you you are you are also depleting the the um depleting some of the chemicals as well. So so roast will also the affect the size size affect the extraction process of the beans and then i drink medium um roast beans and i if i were to do it my way i would actually sip the coffee before i make a brew the coffee but i don't have time for it yeah have you ever put beans that you've under roasted a little bit through your grinder and have your grinder bind up because that's that's a fun experience you're hearing normal, normal, and suddenly it'll hit a bean where you haven't depleted the matrix enough, and the burr will will bind up, and it goes and it just starts screaming. So if you want to really scare the dog, the kids, your partner, that's a great way to do it. I have not encountered oh that yet, <laughs> and I do know that we did purposefully under roast some beans um, yeah. in the in previously, and then I read one of the. Um, colleagues who did uh, coffee research on grinding is put the beans in the freezer before you grind them mm. it will reduce the um the, the chance of binding happening Interesting. and you also wow. make the uh, make the grind size a little bit more uniform and uh and that was yeah. and then somebody else told me that if you are doing really under roasted beans like almost green beans you um, freeze it with liquid nitrogen and then grind it. That will make sure you grind the whole process into the whatever size that you're looking yeah. for. So, yeah. Can I ask you about the? So, can I ask you to validate or or rebut what I I'm asked a lot about? How do I optimize my cup of coffee? What tech should I buy? What equipment should I buy? And I always tell people, whatever resources you have, put them into your grinder. And get a burr grinder, not a blade, because like you said, you want a nice consistent grind, but you want to get one that doesn't generate heat or generate excess heat while grinding, because that excess heat will actually, you spent 18 bucks on 12 ounces of, you know, delicious beans from wherever. If you put those through a burr grinder that's grinding inefficiently and generating heat, you're actually going to scorch your beans as they go through your grinder. Am I, am I on track as I give people that counsel? you you are you are on track you the the grinding does generate heat but then my point has been um when you depend on how how much you grind at a time if you're doing just like a one or two servings okay four servings if in my household in the morning you're gonna be okay because you're only grinding for about um 10 seconds or even like 15 seconds at a time you're not going to generate that much heat but if you're talking about batch processing the entire pound or so, absolutely, you do have to worry about, especially um, the heat generates like the later stage. So the, the, the top layer that's um, falling onto the container that you're storing the coffee is likely to be the one that's a little bit more roasted compared to the freshly, the first couple seconds where it's still nice and cold. And then um, grinding, it should be not, it should, should be minimal at the time, but 
I still believe like freezing the beans would probably be a better way of go to go. Tricks of the trade. I'm totally trying that. Absolutely. For people that aren't as versed as uh, this current group of converse- conversants, uh, what might surprise people geographically about coffees of the world? Where they are, where they come from? Um, so we, whenever we talk about coffee, Mark, you can support me. Like we talk about the big regions like um, Brazil, Colombia, and then a little bit more boutique, uh, Ethiopia. Um, a lot of the coffee actually are grown, especially robusta coffee, which is very often used in um, uh, like instant coffee or not, are grown in Vietnam. Mm-hmm. And uh, India also produce coffee. And these are the areas that we do not think of the coffee producers, and yet they produce. Um, I think Vietnam is the second largest, if not the first largest, robusta uh, producer in the world. So they, 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 that's one of their cash crops because they are, they are located in this, what they call the coffee belt right around the, the, the uh, equator region. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then they, I'm sure there are smaller farms that produce artisanal coffee that we don't, it's underappreciated. And for people that don't know what Robusta is. So Robusta is, so there are two types of coffee um, that's popular grown, uh, Robusta versus uh, Arabica. Arabica tend to be grown at the higher altitude and a little bit more uh, a smaller, low, smaller production, a little bit more fruity and then less caffeine. But it's, it's the taste that we're going after, the coffee taste we're going after. Whereas Robusta is more um, disease resistant, easy maintenance. It can be grown like a low altitude bush like and then huge production. And, uh, and then they, they, they have a lot of caffeine. And so, so very often, Robusta are used to produce instant coffee because you're not really going after the taste, you're going after the generic coffee flavor and then the caffeine, so. Here's what I would say as far as regions and superiority of one region or another. Coffee, is, as we all know, right, this is a multi-billion dollar enterprise. All of these things that we have come to understand as being one region is good. One region is not as good. One region is the best. This is all marketing. It is all marketing. It's done by large entities that have been doing it for years to try to draw you to their product. It is not based in fact. Coffee, the best coffee is the one that you like the most. They are all available. Go and taste them. Thank you, Mark. Try them. Thank you. And then remember this too. Coffee, like any other product, is seasonal. So there will be times of the year where the place that you like your coffee from, it, it won't be available. And if you get it from that region at that time of year, it will be suboptimal. It's like buying peaches in the wintertime. They will not be the ideal peach that you will get in the summertime. It, 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 th- that, that is the mathematic that when people ask me about the coffee, because I, look, I love talking about it. That's what I always encourage people. Just go try them. Go to coffee shops, pick the single origin so you can say, okay, this is what this is Rwanda, this is Guatemala, try them. The one that you like, that's the best one. It doesn't matter if it says Colombia is the best or coffee from Yemen is the best or coffee. That is all marketing. Pick the one that you like, taste it, enjoy it, recognize the seasonality of it and be versatile. In the wintertime, I'm going here. In the summertime, I'm going here. You'll get better prices. You'll have a much better experience and you'll be drinking the stuff that you love. It's always, I always tell people, the one you just like you said, the one you like is the one you know that's the best coffee. It doesn't have to be 
Um, some people say, oh, this coffee is like um, $30, $40, $50 a pound. And the one, I can't taste the difference between that and my $15 a pound or even $8 a pound coffee. You know, I enjoyed that one. It's accessible to me. And I know I have I could make a consistent product, like a extraction out of it. And it's not only the pro, the, it's not only the beans itself, it's also the extraction. Like you can ruin an expensive bag of coffee <laughs> by <Can't> either, confirm. <laughs> <laughs> by by roast over roasting it or uh, under roasting oh, yeah. it. Or you can ruin it by pouring boiling water into it and then basically over extract the coffee and then you you were like, oh this I paid this much, but it doesn't taste like what I expect it to be. It's probably because the water temperature, the water, the quality of the water, the, the presence of uh, minerals in the water, a lot of factors influence the taste of coffee, influence the extraction of coffee. So um, I, I don't want people to get frustrated when the first time they brew coffee and they were like, it doesn't taste much. Tweak a little bit, try it again, you know, and then you you will find that sweet spot that you like. It's not it's nobody else's um, coffee; it's your. That's coffee. right, and and remember too, this keeping the circuit through which you get bean to cup as simple as possible and as clean as possible. Oftentimes, people will buy very fancy equipment, lots of bells and whistles, impossible to keep clean. Coffee leaves residue wherever you use the term muck. Perfect. I'm going to adopt it, but I'm going to give you credit. It leaves muck everywhere. And so if you have a complex circuit with lots of turns, small diameter tubing, you'll never be able to keep it clean. And that muck, the, the flavor from that will extrude into your brew. My favorite is a pour over single cup or AeroPress. Super simple system, easy to keep clean. I mean, it's just, it's clean. But that if you have a system that you can't keep clean, that will absolutely permeate your $25 delicious executive coffee and it will spoil it. Nini, what's upcoming in your research? What should we look for? We're looking into a couple other compounds in cold brew coffee that has been seldomly mentioned, um, mostly um, related to um, flavor. So one of the group of compounds of uh, furan, they are related to flavor and they are a lot of, some of them are generated during roasting process. So just um, one of the things we wanted to look at just to definitively to say that, oh, cold brew in the cold extraction method, you don't really get a lot of the compound out compared to the hot extraction method. Just one of those things we wanted to be able to provide data to It's nothing like complex. But um, kind of COVID um, stopped that altogether. And uh, I now have to go buy additional beans because I'm pretty sure the green beans I have right now are sale because they're not stored in, you know, airtight containers. They're in my lab and it's been there for over a year. So that's one thing. And the other one um, I was hoping to, this is this may or may not be published. Um, I was hoping to help um, a local, um, I think it's Indonesia, one of the family uh, friends, a new uh, farmer, uh, um, coffee grower in Indonesia, and then they are just growing regular Arabica beans, and then they wanted to kind of have the, the um, antioxidant acidity tested to kind of give them an idea of how their uh, beans compared to other beans, like from a very chemical analysis perspective. I'm not talking about cupping at all. So, so I wanted to help them out 
on that one. And then hopefully um, if I could have a couple undergraduate students who are interested in these kind of things, then we could probably publish a little small paper and uh, just to, sh just, you know, to encourage local grow, uh, uh, like a support local growers and then give people an idea of like different smaller smaller farms, even within different regions who produce very different uh, coffee. And again, support the idea what you like to drink is the best. What a fun and informative conversation. So here are the take home points. Drink what you wanna drink. Whatever tastes good to you is what tastes good. Hot brew, cold brew, know that you're getting some antioxidants, some caffeine, and from my perspective, it definitely makes you more productive. Thanks for joining, and we'll see you next time. The Visible Voices podcast amplifies voices both known and unknown, discussing topics of healthcare equity and current trends. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It helps other people find the show. You can listen on whatever platform you subscribe to podcasts. Our team includes Stacey Gitlin and Dr. Giuliano DePorto. If you're interested in sponsoring an episode, please contact me, Risa at thevisiblevoicespodcast.com. I'm based in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and I'm on Twitter at Risa E. Lewis. Thank you so much for listening, and as always, to be continued. <laughs>